When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Yes, guys. Welcome back to the Canon Podcast with Alexander Mandipani. I'm my very were, good I friend. I'm going to go with the impression off the bat again. And I no. thought, you know what? No, no, no. You know what? I'm going to try and do him. And then I realized I, I suck. I'm not a jukebox. I don't do impressions, George. I don't do impressions. I do people. So, uh, <laughs> I do, but yeah. Yeah, it's so real that I, I, I sort of be then. It's, it's sort of beyond an impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I am, I am, uh, I'm doing well. Um, I think that uh, I'm actually pretty ecstatic, to be honest with you. I'm just enjoying all the content. I'm looking at the team. I'm getting quite excited. I think a lot of the yeah. metrics that I have been premonishing, what? How would you call that? At least forecasting here on the channel are actually starting to come to fruition. I start to look at our creative numbers. You start to look at Martin Odegaard, the most through balls in Europe, the most open play chances created for a player. You start to look at the widening XG gap that we are starting to produce since Palace and the numbers that I feel that we've actually talked about for quite a long time. And you know, some people have helped me out with stats. I keep having this bookmark of Newcastle. We've talked about this on the channel. I think a, a good friend of ours, well, I don't know, friend, but a very nice person was able to kind of create some stats for us on Photomob about talking about that pre to post Newcastle. And the jump in the numbers are genuinely staggering. They aren't mm. minuscule or marginal. Um, so uh, I'm just, I'm excited to see the team showing shoots that are beyond just, let's say, number projections. And, um, it's it's exciting. It's exciting because I think um, it's just backing up a lot of what we felt. It is exciting. Yeah, I, I like you. I've been enjoying sort of consuming all the content this week, um, and uh, we're going to add to it. No buffs today, unfortunately. Are we still feeling uh, in any way angry about the over celebration stuff, or is that is that kind of subsided? I've never like I never let it affect me. Um, I find it hilarious more than anything, to be honest with you. And I just, it's, it's kind of like when a baby throws a tantrum, you know? And um, as far as I'm concerned, I've, I've just accepted that Arsenal will not be given their credit until they win a trophy and are forced to. Like, 
we are one of the more hated clubs I've come to realize, not just in general, in terms of people being accustomed to whipping us as the whipping boys. Like, I think that's been a long time coming, but it's never fun when the class kind of clown, in a sense, becomes a straight A student. <laughs> and, mm. you know, uh, that, that, that I think is a difficult tag to get rid of. And so you got to marry that also with our history is huge, mate. Like, I know that our recent, I'd say last decade, two decades have been mediocre at best, even in the most optimistic of senses. But I think Arsenal and Man United represented one of the more successful rivalries. And I'm wondering right now, personally, I think the next stage, the Pep and Klopp were a very amicable relationship for the most part. And I found that weird, mate really weird and i think arsenal publicly well yeah. publicly sure but I, I think even in the media like the way that they were propped up and the teams were propped up they were never at each other's throats if you took a snapshot in a case study of arsenal united in the media at the time the players there was genuine hatred between clubs mm -hmm. and i think that kind of that ability of a rivalry i look at jose Mourinho and pat by the way same thing hatred there was a level of vitriol that I think our clubs kind of emote, I'll be honest with you. And I haven't quite seen that with title challengers of late. And I'm not quite sure where I can put my finger on it because I still think that um, whoever challenged Arsenal for the next decade of success, I think we're going to see hate. I don't think it'll be an amicable relationship. And I think it depends, of course, on Pep, how long he stays. But I still think, by the way, Pep and Arteta, at the peak of their powers, and even though Pep is kind of on the way towards retirement, I actually don't think it'll be an amicable teacher-mentor relationship. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder, you know, there's so many factors involved in that, right? Like, you know, there is the kind of the the culture of football, the culture of England even has, has changed in the last sort of 20 years, you know, the culture of the England football team in terms of how teams used to be more, certainly more in pods. And, you know, they always talk about how it was, you know, the Liverpool boys and the City boys, we don't have that any, or the, you know, the, the Arsenal boys at the time, wherever it was, um, we don't really have that anymore. I think both of their characters, I think because they play different types of football, I think because they've kind of established themselves as managers, you're right, there wasn't really that animosity, but I, I do, even in the fallout to this week, I have been, thinking along the similar lines that sort of rivalry that appears to be forming weirdly uh between us and liverpool you wonder if that you know if klopp had, was going to stay um where that would where that would have gone in the next couple of years if klopp say stayed for another two years and pep say stayed for another two years how that would all you know would it be arsenal liverpool at each other's throats both trying to get at man city or would it be would it be different i don't know maybe we'll we'll never know but one of the big things that kind of came out of the liverpool game um because yeah, there has been a lot of uh, lots of positives. Was the maybe maybe the slight negative again of Gabriel Jesus not being available? Uh, we obviously knew about Thomas Partey, Zinchenko coming out of the game as well. I think six months ago, if you'd asked me, Alex, what do you think is the main thing that Arsenal could go and improve on in the summer, or the or the main thing that we can? Uh, do to take that sort of next step up I, I might have looked at some tactical things I might have looked at maybe some profiles that are missing from the squad I might have looked at a number of other things but I think now it might be as simple as we have to get players who are always available and that we can rely upon I think the further we get down this project the more convinced I am by this football 
the more convinced I am by Mikel, it's almost like the the sore thumb is sticking out even more of Thomas Partey playing for having four appearances for us so far this season. Of Jesus again struggling with injuries this season. Of Zinchenko, I've put them all into a bracket. Sure, I, I don't I don't consider them all in the same uh, uh, problematic uh, area. I think for me, Partey's gone past the line. I think Jesus is approaching the line, and I'd put Zinchenko a little bit further behind because uh, I think. We honestly, because we have different different sorts of options. Um, where do you stand on this? Do you think it's a case of we need to move on from all three in the summer? Do you think it's a case of we need to build on top of them? Do you, yeah, where, where do you stand on it? Because I think for me, you know, it's not personal. It's just a case of if you can't rely on a footballer, you can't plan for them. You can't go, you know, you can't say, well, at least we have that profile in our squad and we can go out and do something else in the summer. You have to look at it and start to go, we literally don't know the day before a game whether the same three names are going to come out again. And I think at some point we we have to start having quite serious conversations about what we do about that. I think um, people get uh, personal because these are great players. I think if the question yeah. was easy, the debate would be easy. And so the fact that we're having these tough conversations, I think, comes about because we're not talking about players that are just very good either. I think we're talking about players that are potentially on their day world class. And I certainly attribute that with Partey. And I think that Partey is such a unique situation that you can't divorce between the political and between the football, that that's never an easy conversation to have Mm -hmm. um, in terms of staying. Now, I think when you start to approach the Jesus and the Zinchenko conversations, I do think those become a little bit easier because those are purely football. So from a parte sense, I will say this. I have a rule. I don't like getting rid of world-class talent. <laughs> and, um, call you crazy. Call me crazy. <laughs> um, but I, look, when I get rid, I get rid because I'm hoping to improve. Simply, simply put. So, for example, when I talk about even Zinchenko or Jesus potentially not being in the starting 11, by the way, I talk about that because I believe there could be an upgrade on Zinchenko's quality, Timber. Mm. When I talk about Jesus, I love Jesus, but if I was to buy a Victor Osimhen, he becomes an upgrade on the starting quality of Jesus. So, like, when I'm talking about removing these players, I don't divorce it from the replacement being an upgrade in that sense. And that's why I find the Partey conversation a little bit more difficult because when I start to talk yeah. about Partey the player, how many are, are, are upgrades on that? Now, of course, everybody starts to throw in the availability arguments, which are completely valid because what's the point of a gold standard solution if it's available 20% of the time? I hear that. But then it, my gut is always like, okay, well, if I'm still supplying that wage and able to have that wage, ideally what I'd like to do is build on that. I never like to take away the opportunity of that 20% because I'm kind of somebody that believes if you've got a talent that is at the world-class level, that is in the top 5% of players worldwide. And that's not easy to find. And even if it's mm -hmm. available for 20%, I can use that in 20%. So I look at Jorginho, for example. Why is Jorginho now becoming a conversation to stay, whereas before it wasn't? Before, when people said Jorginho at the start of the season, I would bet if I took a strong poll, nine out of Arsenal fans, um, maybe not us, but nine out of ten Arsenal fans would have said, Jorginho is not part of my plans. Let him leave on a free. Now we see two or three games against top-level opposition, and I'm willing to bet Thomas Partey, even if he plays three or four games against a Man City, 
against a United and against a Chelsea for three games, people are going to start asking those questions again. So fundamentally, to actually give you an answer and not sit on the fence, I believe that you replace in the instance that you're upgrading. If you cannot upgrade, then build to supplement. That, mm. that is kind of how I view squad building as a whole. Yeah, and then I think it then becomes a question of, can you do that? And I think it, you know, it's it's all very easy, as you say, getting saying get rid of so and so player. But if you can't actually improve on what they give you for the money that you're, you know, you, you know, we're looking at a big summer. You know, we, we're, every summer's a big summer, right? As you know, it's, we say this every year. Every summer's a big summer, but we have a lot to do in terms of. I would say almost everyone would want something to come in on the wings. I would say almost everyone wants something to, to come in in terms of a marquee forward, whether that's the same thing, whether we get a nine and a winger or, you know, whatever, but we're certainly going to spend big in the, in the forward areas. I think everyone accepts that. I think a lot of people will want some kind of six, eight. I think a lot of people will want a defender. Some people might want a central center back. Some people might want an upgrade on the goalkeeper. There's a, there's a, there's a, a laundry list here. So when we're looking at upgrading or moving on or whatever, I think I mean it more in the sense of, not having to rely on these players. And I agree with you, if, you know, if we're only needing Partey for 20% of the season, then, then you know, maybe comfortable doing that for another year. If we're only needing Jesus and Sinchenko for certain games, then I'm comfortable doing that. I, you know, whether they'll be, whether they'll accept that is a different, different question. But I think personally, in terms of that idea of the first 15, the first, the first, even the first 11, those three names, Partey for me has gone out of those names. He's a bonus if he's around and you know he's a fantastic player. I agree with you. If he can come in and show us that world-class talent that he has 20% of the season, then great. But I do think now I'm adding, I'm getting closer and closer to the line where Jesus and Zinchenko, I both go, look, you're fantastic players. You give us so much, but you're not, you're not Declan Rice for us. You're not William Saliba for us. You know, there are issues in your game. And if we then can't rely on you, I then start to go, I have to start to, you know, consider whether you are in my first 15 and what we do about that moving forward. I think that when you talk of the first 15, you talk of the 20% of games. That's when, that's where I think a lot of the argument comes into, right? So the, then, then the question becomes, it's not just a, uh, an availability question for me. It also becomes a, um, a versatility issue for me. I'm always going to be more amenable to Jesus staying because I think he's one of the most versatile forwards in world football. I'm getting very frustrated that his conversations with injuries aren't paired with Partey's, though. <laughs> like, if we're going to sit there and bemoan Partey's availability, have a look at Zinchenko's injury history, mate. It is not much better, especially in terms of percentage of games played. Like, Partey has been around longer than Jesus, but look at the percentage of games played game started for Jesus and compare that to Partey, those numbers are getting closer together. They're not getting farther apart. So I think if you're going to get rid because of availability concerns, then you have to have the same energy with Jesus. And I must admit, in terms of an asset, right, I see a potential decline there. I see a potential worry physically. I will admit, I'm starting to see that separation issue a lot more. Now, he's an intelligent footballer. He will be able to I think, extend his career brilliantly. But I have question marks about the long-term value. And then I look at Zinchenko and I think, if Timber was around, do I really think Zinchenko is playing as much as he's done? I really am not confident on that answer. Mm. So with those ideas in mind, those are upgradable assets, right? I can buy a versatile forward that I think gives us more physical separation on the market. 
I think I can do that. I think I can buy a left back, for example, that gives us an alternative to Urien Timber that I can get for value. Um, in terms of a 6-8, that's where I struggle with that position. I think the 6-8 position for me is the most unknown signing in the next six months. I'll be quite honest with you because I don't see a clear upgrade. I don't see somebody, even at the 100 million pound mark, I would be saying, yep, that is for sure the Declan Rice partner. Mm. I see nobody in that bracket, and then I see nobody in the prospect bracket that I would be like, I'm willing to grow with you because I know you'll be world class. Not Yusuf Fafana? No? Okay. Um, yeah, the, the, there's, and because and, uh, I know some people will be thinking Zubamendi, but uh, again, I, I, I'm beginning to struggle. I don't know. Can I just talk I look about at, that? I look at, because, you know what, I'm going to throw it back to you as a question because I'd love to hear your opinions. Because right now, look, there are two camps, okay? And if you want to go by links, in quotes, there's Zubamendi and there's Onana. Both equally linked, okay? As strongly, by the way, and as credibly. But would you not agree those are very different midfield ideas going forward? And where do you yes. see Arsenal going with all the metrics of our counterpress disrupting opponent buildup in terms of the difference between Arsenal and City? Like, where do you, which philosophy do you see us more aligning with down the line? And which yeah, one do you well, see I... us able to replicate? Because the idea is you'll lose one of Jorge, Jorginho and Partey. Right. Yeah. I I think if you look at our counter pressing numbers, you look at the way Mikel, what what Mikel demands in the duels. You look at our, our second balls. You look at how we've played against Liverpool and City. I just can't imagine a Zubamendi esque player coming in and being the base of our midfield. I I, I and and I think that's where he would play because I, I I can't see him starting further up and, and maybe he does. But again, I I yeah. I could I, I see know. him I, in the I Jorginho role that we saw. I think it's better. Yeah, maybe in certain games, but I think for this under this manager, I can't see I can't see Zubamendi coming in and playing further up. Personally, I think his best qualities lie further further back, and I can't see Mikel consistently wanting that type of six, a bit more of a dictator, a bit more of a controller in every single game. Which then means you go on to say, well, are you going to go spend sixty seven, you know, seventy million or whatever you might cost? Okay, release clause or whatever to go and do that and, you know, put another cog in the midfield when you've just gone out and got Havertz, I don't know. And just returning to the to the Timber, Jesus, uh, sorry, the, the Jesus, Sinchenko um, and Partey thing, arguably, you know, we went and replaced those in the summer. You could, uh, you know, you could argue there's a school of thought, at least to say Jesus, there's, you know, Havertz was another option. He played against Liverpool. You could argue that Timber was the Zinchenko replacement. You could argue that uh, Rice was the Partey replacement. So, you know, you could, you could make that school of thought look it's going to be interesting whatever happens i i just for me to kind of round this this part of the topic off that first 15 for me Partey has now stepped out of it he's a if he can keep if he could mate and there'd be no one happier than me if he comes in and plays himself back into it at the end of the season but i just think for me as a, as a fan and, and and for arsenal as a club we can't rely on him uh, moving forward and I think Jesus and Sinchenko, as you mentioned, I think Jesus has played something like 51% of the available minutes for Arsenal. Something like that. I think Scott Willis, there was a, a, a stat out there from Scott Willis that um, That's said what I was that, you know, the, the, numbers, the numbers aren't good at all. So he's beginning to, the further his Arsenal career goes on, it's nothing to do with, do I like the player? It's nothing to do with, do I like the talent? It's about the availability and about, is, is 51%, if you're listening to this and thinking, well, you get rid of Jesus. 
is 51% of the available minutes played enough for you? Is it? And if it's not, then then we have to have a different conversation. He's not out of it yet, and neither Zinchenko, but the question the question mark remains. On the flip side, George, just like that. On the flip side, we uh, heard the news this week that Urien Timber has been added to the Champions League uh, squad, which means obviously Arsenal are hopeful he's going to play some kind of part. You'd presume against Porto. I don't know. I mean, maybe they hope that we'd get him moving forward, but I, I don't know. Does it get refreshed every time? Or was it just for the sort of the no, per it, round? I don't know. No, you can, I think. I'm pretty sure you can refresh it every time. Uh, right. But look, I don't know if you can call it a canon exclusive. I've always felt that he would be back around this time. And we said Porto. It's not a canon exclusive, but you have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we could say I predicted he'd be back for Porto. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's 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 obviously exciting news. Um, it's something, you know, it's been long anticipated. You know, there's been all sorts of question marks. Well, he's out for the season. He's going to be back in November. There's been all sorts of timelines out there. I think it's about when the, the, the you know, the, the sort of the... the the predictions were saying sort of March-ish time when he'll be back in sort of full training properly involved in contention. What sort of impact do you think he can have towards the end of the season? Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.